1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au.
0: How do we get invited to the banquet with God? How do we get into the kingdom of God?
1: Hi and welcome, this is Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll be continuing our message on making my commitment about following God as our Lord and accepting we need His grace, that we are not worthy to sit at His table.
0: Here's the sequence of the Christian faith. One day you realised God provided a way for you to be right with His Father. It's total sheer grace that had nothing to do with how good or bad you are or were. This
1: is Today with Jeff Vines and we continue Making My Commitment.
0: But the bottom line is that we just don't take sin that seriously anymore. And we allow our children to be entertained by it. We pay good money to be entertained by it. And our problem is not wondering if we're gonna lose our temper and become angry when we shouldn't. Our real problem is that we're not angry when we should be. When is the last time any of us fell down on our face prostrate before God because we felt so horrible about sin we committed. And not because we got caught, but because we knew we had wounded the heart of God. When is the last time? In Africa, if you're going to approach the chief of the village, you come to the chief on your hands and knees. But in America, we're so addicted to our own human rights, there's no way we're gonna bow to anybody. And the problem is, Now listen to me, it's coming from your pastor. Young people, I'm going to come after you first. Listen, the older people, they do love you. And even though they don't particularly like your music, they understand that if that's what it takes to reach you, they say, okay, let's go for it. But there is a concern they have for you that I want to be their voice today. They have a concern that your generation has brought Jesus so close that you forgot there's a difference. And that you're in danger of losing the reverence you're to have for God. That yes, Jesus is your friend and he's closer than the air that you breathe. But let me tell you something. Even though Jesus is your friend, you're not the same. He doesn't take commands from you. You take them from him. And there is a sense of awe and reverence we are to have for God that the older generation in this room has. They've not forgotten. And they're just a little concerned that God has come so close that you don't revere him anymore. That's why sometimes I'll get emails about the communion time. And I understand, and we're trying to deal with it. But some of them think that when we do communion, this is a sacred, holy time that we're confronted with our own sin. Not a time just to be taken lightly, pass it gone, and get through and get out to it and go to the next thing. They know it's a sacred, reverent thing that we come into contact with God, that we are in God's presence and he is doing his work in us. The point I'm trying to make It's a silly man or woman who thinks that he can stand in the presence of God with his head held high, thinking he's good enough to be accepted on those bases by God. We are sick and we need help, the Bible says. We need grace, unmerited favor, and the cross of Jesus Christ provides that. But stay with me now. If you overestimate your own goodness, you're not going to want to come to the banquet of grace. You'll pass right by it and give an excuse. But there's another way you can violate grace. There is another way, and this is where I really want to focus in. I want to give you three quick illustrations. Now, let me do it and then bring it all together in the end. They'll appear to be disjointed, separated, but they will bring the truth in the end. Here's the first. My wife, as soon as she saw the LA County Fair advertised, said, will you please take me? Now, folks, I can't do this tonight when my wife's in the service, but I can do it now. I'm brave and strong. (laughs) I, the LA County Fair is not something that appeals to me. The thought of walking, uh, just walking and seeing cows and pigs and goats and uh, farm life and smelling farm life and walking into the little shops where there are solicitors trying to get you to buy stuff. You know, I would, I would much rather basically have a root canal than go to something like that. <laughs> but you know what I did on Friday this week? I did like the chocolate milk, but on Friday this week, we woke up and Robin said, let's go to the county fair and with a smile on my face, it was hard with a smile on my face. I said, okay, honey, I would love to take you. And I took her and I walked with her and held her hand and I appeared to be amused and uh, I appeared to like it. You say, that's deceit. When you get married, then don't judge me. But (laughs) that's deceit. And I appeared that I was having a good time. Why did I do that? And I didn't hurry her. I did not rush her. Why did I do it? Because I love my wife. And I knew it would make her happy. And so I did it because love will motivate you to do things that other things would never motivate you to do. You will find to yourself, I've been married 22 years. I have been doing, I have done so many things because I've been motivated out of love. Now sometimes fear, but most of the time, <laughs> most of the time it's love for my wife. Now stay with me. Mother Teresa had a coworker that came to her once and said this, she said, he said, Mother Teresa, the church is getting in the way of my work. My occupation is to assist the lepers and the church is getting in the way. Mother Teresa raised her hand and said, no, 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 your occupation is not to help the lepers. Your occupation is to belong to Jesus. More than your service, Jesus wants you. And if he has your heart, the service, the gratitude, the appreciation will all come. And now the third listen carefully. Here's the sequence of the Christian faith. One day you realize God provided a way for you to be right with his father. It's total sheer grace that had nothing to do with how good or bad you are or were. And because you understand that this is genuine salvation, there becomes this overwhelming sense of gratitude. You're thankful that God did that when he didn't have to. He did it because he loved you. And out of that gratitude becomes love. You begin to love somebody that would do that for you. And God compels you that way. And then out of that love, you begin to serve him. My concern is that over 20 years of my ministry now, I have met people who do not serve God out of love. They serve him out of appeasement. And that is a grace violation. When you come into this place, not because you're looking forward to it, not because you can't wait to get here, and raise your hands to heaven, because you know you don't belong, but God gave you his grace. When you start to come in here because you think you belong, and you're trying to appease God so that it's some kind of good luck charm, and you get a spiritual buzz, and God, you can't get me now because I went to church on Sunday, then let me tell you, you are violating grace. Anytime you think any good act on your part turns God away from disciplining you or from working in your life, or somehow earns you the right to belong in the banquet of grace, you have violated the primary doctrine of the Christian faith. I had a friend who did exactly that. He'd go to every church service and he thought if he did, God would not come down and get him when he sinned. He carried his Bible everywhere he went, not because he wanted to learn from it and grow from it, but because it was a good luck charm, like a four-leaf clover. He wore a badge that said Jesus saves on game day. He was a basketball friend so that God would help him play well. And then when he did commit a big sin, he would pray an extra five minutes, he would go to Wednesday night church, just a little extra, or buy our pastor, our senior pastor, an expensive gift. Now I happen to agree with the last one, but no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I do not agree with the last one. But the point is, appeasement and love are not the same thing, they're not. And unless you do what you do, motivated out of love, that you knew you didn't deserve to come to the grace banquet, but you got invited, Then, what you're doing is a violation of grace. Do you understand? The first lesson we learned then is this religious people struggle with Jesus' invitation. Number two, the spiritually humble embrace Jesus' invitation.
1: This is today with Jeff Vines, and the message is making my commitment. We need to follow God in thanks for his mercy and not just to appease him, to keep him happy. Here's Pastor Jeff.
0: The spiritually humble embrace Jesus' invitation. Jesus' response is amazing when the religious people don't come to the banquet because they don't think they need grace. Look what happens. Now remember, this is the heart of God we're talking about. It's how God is wired. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, and blind, and lame. Now who are these people? These are descriptive terms for beggars. People who are not on the A list. People are not in the society pages, not high society folk. Nobody throws these people a party because they can't do you any good. They can't help you climb the corporate ladder. They can never pay you back. They would never have a party that they could invite you to. The host goes out and invites them because he is a host of lavish generosity, an incredible, indescribable grace. It is sheer grace. Now think about this, think about it. Go back to first class again. When these type of people come into the banquet, they're just gonna start laughing. They're gonna be seated in seats they didn't even exist. They're gonna be eating food they knew, they never thought they'd be eating. They're gonna see a dessert tray they didn't even know they would ever be part of. And they're just gonna start laughing cause they're gonna say, man, just hours ago, I was in the dumpster rummaging for something to eat. Now look at me, I'm eating steak and caviar. This is the whole point of the gospel folks. Matthew chapter five, verse three, 400 years. It's been since God has spoken. Jesus comes on the scene. He waits 30 years before he starts to preach. Everybody on that hillside in the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus makes his introductory comments are thinking the same thing. How do we get invited to the banquet with God? How do we get into the kingdom of God? First words out of Jesus' mouth, what? Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are humble, those who realize they don't belong, those who realize that God is holy, those who realize they can never be good enough to stand before God. Those are the ones that God goes after to get into the banquet of grace. And here's my question. What happened to the Rosa McLeans? Rosa, a lady in New Zealand who was in theater, who lived a horrible, despicable life in her own words. And then she came into our church and she found Jesus. She didn't think that Jesus was available to people like her. When we started to baptize her, the church was gathered around her. And I said, Rosa, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? She goes, yeah, she shouted it. And everybody got scared. Who is this woman? She's possessed. I said, okay, Rosa, do you take him as your Lord and savior? You bet I do. And everybody's like, man, she's obsessed. And I want to say, yes, she is with God. She's so grateful. Remember what Jesus said in a in a story in Luke chapter 7? Two debtors, one owes 50, one owes 500. He looks at Peter and he says, "Which one's going to be more grateful? The one who's forgiven the most debt." And from that time on, when we baptized Rosa, brought her out of the water, man, she goes, "Yeah! Saved!" Where are the roses? Where are the people? who know they don't belong. See, here's the problem. I call this the Qantas Effect. Guess what happened to me? I flew first class, not once, not twice, three straight times. What happened to me? I expected to fly first class every time I was waiting for that ticket to pop out and hold my head up high. And then the fourth time came, I was in Australia flying to LAX. The ticket didn't pop out. I was mad. I walked onto the plane, I had to turn right to go back to the rest of you low-life cattle cart people. And my attitude was horrible. I walked through the curtain and it dawned on me, wait a minute, these are my people. I am a lowlife. I deserve to be an economy. You know what happens? We don't come in here excited and early and ready to lift our hands to heaven because somewhere along the line we start thinking we belong. That we deserve to be here. That we don't need grace. We don't need forgiveness because we're religious, pious people. And we're not motivated anymore. And it wounds the heart of God. And it doesn't speak a great testimony to people who find themselves in here. That all of us are guilty. We start thinking we belong and we have the right to be here. And Jesus says, I want you to remember, not too long ago, you were digging in the trash cans with no hope. And now you're in a banquet of grace. Now listen, listen as we close Jesus' words. He says, first of all, what do we learn from the parable? Religious people struggle with Jesus' invitation. Number two, the spiritually humble embrace Jesus' invitation. Number three and last, the far removed long for Jesus' invitation. Now this is the heart of God. And listen to what happens in the great banquet. Verse 22, sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done but there's still room. He says, I want every chair around the table filled. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so my house will be full. My favorite parable, listen, this is where I violate it. And you do too, we're in this together, folks. Look at this, it's not a sermon coming down to you, but a sermon permeating and we're all guilty. Because I know I am. In the first century, Well, first of all, the Euphrates River in the Old Testament is kind of the same thing that the highways and byways here is in the New Testament. It's that imagery that's beyond civilization. Go out to people that are barbaric, way beyond uh, where the civilized people live. And God is saying, I want you to go out and compel those people. In the first century, if you did get an invitation from somebody that was of a higher class, as a matter of form or a matter of course, you would reject it. You would say, wow, that's a noble man. And you would take that invitation, you would hang it on the mantle, you would show all the people in your village, hey, look, I got the invitation. But as a matter of form and etiquette, you would decline because you know there's no way there could be a seat around that table for you. These are not your kind of people. You would never fit in. The master seems to know that. So he says, what you're gonna do, I want you to go out and compel them. That doesn't mean force. You know what it means? It means when you go out and you tell them they're invited to the banquet of grace, they're not gonna believe you. They're gonna say, thank you for the invitation. I'll keep it, I'll treasure it, but I'm not coming. You're gonna to have to take them by the arm and say, no, I'm serious. You're invited, no kidding. You're not too far away. You can come to the banquet. And then about halfway, they're gonna say, uh, uh, am I really going? And they're not gonna believe you till they arrive at the banquet and they're seated eating the finest foods, finest desserts, and experiencing this incredible generosity and grace. Then they'll believe you and then they'll start laughing. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's for me too. Here's what I do. I start thinking I belong. So I meet a sinner out there who's got a foul mouth, who is in prostitution, or who doesn't live the way I think they ought to live. And I run from them. And so do you. And Jesus says, I'm supposed to grab them by the arm, look them in the eye and compel them to come. That's his heart for those people. But the danger is we start fitting nice and snug into the religious, pious people. We belong, and we want to be with people like us. And I'm asking you, who has God brought into your life, in your neighborhood, at the golf club, at the gym, that you think's a low life, and sometimes all it takes is for you to love them, grab their arm, look them in the eye, and say, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ loves you and wants you to be part of his banquet. It's exactly what happened with me and a guy by the name of Tim Price. Those of you who are golfers, you know Nikki Price. Nikki Price is Tim's younger brother. I met Tim in New Zealand and let me just be honest with you. The best way to describe Tim is, well, his hobby was sin. That's the best way to describe him. He would ask me the same question. Now, I don't mean to be offensive here. He would ask me the same question every Friday night after we played a round of golf. We became good buddies and he taught me the game. He said, uh, Every Friday night, he'd say, Jeff, you know my question. I'd say, yeah, I know your question, and he'd always give it anyway. Are you ready to go get drunk and get naked? Same thing every Friday night. Every invitation, every Friday night. This guy says he's a Christian. I'll entice him enough. Sooner or later, he'll give in. Finally, one day, after we'd been hitting some balls on the driving range, I grabbed Tim's arm. I said, Tim, you've been a great friend to me. You've taught me the game. I really love you, and I want you to know something. When the time comes in your life, when you're broken, I want you to remember what I'm about to say right now, that the banquet or the grace of God, I didn't say banquet, the grace of God is for you. And God loves you and wants you in his kingdom. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter what you do in the future, I want you to remember that, that God is compelling you to come. Five years later, we were living in New Zealand. I got a three-page letter handwritten. And Tim Price told me he was driving his car in the dead of night, back across the border of South Africa into Zimbabwe. And he said he realized where he was in his life. Everything was falling apart. And in handwritten ink, he says, and I remembered the words you said, that no matter how far away from God, I'm invited to the kingdom of grace. And I'm writing this letter to tell you, I have given my life to Christ. I had not seen him for 15 years Last summer when I was in Zimbabwe, I saw him and I ran onto the driving range and when he turned and saw me, now here's a guy that was rough and rugged, showed no emotion, no love, and Jesus had done an incredible work in his life. He literally dropped everything on the range and sprinted to the parking lot and hugged me and embraced me. Thank you for bringing Jesus into my life. And now while all the other whites are leaving Zimbabwe, do you know what Tim Price is doing? He's staying, helping people who are poor to get food to survive. Here's my one question. Who's God brought into your life? Who? That he wants you to grab them by the arm and compel them to come. Father, we are grateful for the power of your word and for your kindness. We are thankful that you've called us into a life to recognize that we don't deserve to be here, that we're here because of grace. And that same grace that brought us the first time is the grace that sustains us. That we are not religious, pious, self-righteous people, or at least we shouldn't be. We depend completely and totally on you. And Father, we love you for that. And I pray that your truth of your heart, as described and discovered in Luke 14, would become a reality in our lives. That no one is beyond the boundaries In fact, those are the people that you want us to go out and compel to come. My prayer in Jesus' name, amen.
1: This is Today with Jeff Vines, and that was making my commitment about living a life of thanks in response to the grace we have received from God, an invitation to sit with Him at His banquet. Join us next time for answers to a question I'm sure we've all asked, why doesn't God kill the devil? Today with Jeff Vines